health care is broken, and the healthcare industry is not going to fix itself. Reconstructing Healthcare is a podcast series where we interview the rebel entrepreneurs working tirelessly to disrupt the health insurance marketplace. Join us as we break down everything that's wrong with the current healthcare system and provide you with a blueprint to create better results. Now, here's your host, Michael Maneri. Hello, this is Michael Maneri, and I want to welcome everyone to the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast. Today, our guest is Wally Goma, president of Simple Pay. Wally, welcome. Great to have you on hey, the show. Thank you for having me. You bet. Uh, so here's the game plan. What we seek to do here on this show is challenge status quo purchasing in healthcare and educate our audience on non-traditional methods to either lower their healthcare costs or improve value for their employees. Sound like something you'd like to help with? It's my passion. All right. I love it. My, my type of guest. So to get us started, I'm going to read a brief bio about you. So our audience has a little bit of context about who they're listening to. And then we'll jump into the interview. All right. Wally Goma is the co-founder of Simple Pay Health, a health insurance plan designed to make healthcare simple for employees while reducing costs for employers. Wally's drive to revolutionize healthcare in the areas of disease management and wellness inspired him to become a founder and CEO of Simple Pay Health. His overall healthcare expertise and experiences allowed him to implement the nation's largest health management program for individuals with diabetes and heart disease. And as a former president of a national insurance carrier, CFO of a healthcare provider, and a benefits consultant, Wally has a unique understanding of the goals and inner workings of all major stakeholders in the healthcare equation. His past experiences give him tremendous insight into how the entire system can work better for businesses and their employees. While he earned his bachelor's of business administration in accounting from the Stephen F. Austin State University, he continues education at the University of Houston, where he earned his MBA and MHA. While he sees the healthcare system through a unique set of eyes, his whole perspective on the industry changed after he was hit by a car while riding his bike. That patient experience only deepened his passion for transforming and reigniting the healthcare system. All right, Wally, anything I missed there that you'd like to add? No, not at all. That's uh, that's too much. And uh, just having been on all sides of the uh, the industry, uh, you know, obviously I, I do bring a, you know a few opinions about you know where are opportunities for us to be a little better. That's great. I love opinionated people. So so you're in the right spot here. So there's lots of places we can start this interview, but I do think it was interesting in your bio that there was a mention about the bike accident. So so why don't we start there? You know, what happened there, and and how did that influence? you know, your career and maybe decision to start Simple Pay? Well, you know, I used to pretend I was uh, Lance Armstrong on the weekends uh, without the performance enhancing drugs. And, uh, you know, as a as an avid amateur road cyclist, you know, unfortunately, uh, that kind of came to an end. And I got to experience the healthcare system from the inside out when I was hit by a car, you know, just a, uh, a promotion not to text and drive because uh, there are bikers on the road, right? Share, share the road. But, you know, I'll tell you that experience, Michael, for me was pretty transformative. You know, I, I having having been on the hospital side of the industry and on the insurance carrier side of the industry, you know, when you come through that process as a patient, you really get to see what our patients dealing with day in and day out. And what I was left with was two things. Everybody is working hard to try to do the best that they can, regardless of whether they're you know, a hospital system, a physician, an insurance company. The challenge is, though, that the system was is way too complicated. Now, I'll tell you, there's no other place in the world I'd rather have healthcare services provided to me than in the United States. But having said that, 
you know, the opportunities for us to take our current system and evolve it to something that is better for patients, you know, to me is, is very significant. I think that's, that's a good perspective, complexity. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal just yesterday about price variation in Boston hospitals. I mean, it was really around, you know, emergency room services and, and um, you know, different prices for the same, same episode of services. So no surprise there, right? There's been hundreds, literally hundreds of articles about price variation, you know, over the last decade. And so, you know, price transparency tools, high deductible health plans, like they were supposed to be the answer to bring consumers into healthcare. Unfortunately, that's not really played out you know, as it was projected. My opinion is they have, for the most part, failed to drive any meaningful results uh, for employers other than shifting costs to employees and their families. So my question to you is, why did they fail? And, and yeah. what was what was missing in the first generation price transparency solutions and high deductible health plans? And, and why do we continue to see you know, inflation that's three to four X, right, CPI? You know, I'll, I'll start on the point of complexity. You know, if you think about how complicated our insurance model is, you know, it makes it almost impossible for a patient, a plan participant, you know, a member, an employee, whatever term, you know, we give to the insured participant, it makes it almost impossible for them to be able to make good decisions the way these models, high deductible health plans and the and the whole, you know, wave of consumerism was intended to do. You know, a study I like to, you know, always point to is a study called the Global Brand Simplicity Index. It ranks every industry from the most simple to the most complicated. And in every year that I've looked at the study, health insurance ranks dead last as the most complicated industry that a consumer would interact with. Yep. And if you think about the reasons behind that, it's the only place where as a consumer, a patient, we never know what anything is going to cost us ahead of time. Things like deductibles and coinsurance prevents us from being able to to actually know what it's going to cost us. Very challenging to assess differences in provider quality. And then I even like to say, after you have your healthcare service, you still don't know who you owe what to when all the bills and the EOBs keep coming for months and months and months that you have to spread across your kitchen table. So where I think we missed it is we felt like we could get plan participants to be engaged with their insurance when they really don't want to be engaged with their insurance. They want to be engaged in their health. And so we wanted to try to design an insurance model that got insurance out of the way and created a model that basically worked the same way it works whenever you buy anything else in life. And our experience through that is that when we simplify health insurance to make it as simple from a process perspective, as you buy other things in life, individuals start naturally self-selecting to make better decisions for providers that deliver higher quality and to your comment on transparency and, and the actual variation in prices they actually make better decisions around that as well. Well, perfect. So I think that's a good transition to to get into, you know, what specifically is the Simple Pay Health product and service and what problems are you trying to solve with it? So I, you know, I always try to frame the problems as, you know, health insurance is too costly and too complicated and we want to bring more affordability and simplification. At the end of the day, though, the, the goal of this, and if, if I were to tell you my heart behind why we do what we do every day, is not to simplify healthcare just for the sake of simplification, to create a better experience, but we really want to be in the birthday preservation business. We know that we can use insurance 
to actually improve the quantity and quality of people's lives, right? We can we can get them to the best care so that we extend the quantity and quality of life. And that really, at the end of the day, is our mission. Simplification is the is the path that we use to sort of accomplish, you know, our mission. So so I'll say that as a, a, a plug for what we really are are wired to try to solve for. Well, and 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 to interrupt you real quick, if you look at any of the entrepreneurs out there in any industry creating value, it really comes down to simplifying complexity, right? And when you can do that with any consumer good or service, people are attracted to it, people purchase it, right? So that notion of simplifying complexity, I think is, is a good one. And so, all right, let's get back into what, what is, how can can I not add to that though? When I go to your website and I see that you take the complicated healthcare system and and create great imagery with cartoons so that we can simplify the comp like that's a lot of what we're doing and that's what we're doing for patients so so how do we how do we get there yeah you know a study that came out as part of that you know global brand simplicity index showed that only 4% of plan participants if you give them the terms deductible coinsurance copay and out of pocket maximum only 4% can match the term to the definition Wow. It's a shockingly low number. Shocking. You know, and I think if there's any good news in that, we just don't use insurance often enough to get good at it, which is a good thing, right? We don't want to get good at insurance. That's right. Um, But that was a big eye opener for us because the same time that we don't understand these complicated insurance terms and how they work is also at the same time that as Americans, we're great at being consumers of anything when we have the information. That's right. So at a high level, what we built was a model that eliminates deductibles, it eliminates coinsurance, and it gives the patient what they really want is a price tag to them that represents their out-of-pocket cost for every covered medical and pharmacy service. You go to the doctor, you know exactly what your price is going to be. You have a hospital stay, you know exactly what your price is going to be. I like to call it not price transparency, we don't think that's good enough. And all these new transparency rules that are coming forward, I'm glad for, that they're coming forward, but we don't think it's it's going far enough. We call this not price transparency. We call it price certainty. Like Just that. imagine how simple it would be if you knew for every covered medical and pharmacy service what your price was going to be ahead of time with a schedule that you can see just like when you buy anything else in life. Now, right. that being said, we set lower prices to those providers that practice higher quality care. And the combination of a lower price with a provider that is five stars versus three stars, now all of a sudden individuals start behaving the way we do when we buy other things in life. We make better choices and that's producing better quality of care and better outcomes. And and ultimately a byproduct of that is more affordability, lower spend, lower cost. Yep. yep. So, so essentially, you know, the price tags we're talking about here, they're like copays, right? That's right. That's what they and, are. We and, don't call them copays because we don't want to use insurance terms, but that is what it is. It's basically okay. a variable copay plan. I love it. I love it. Variable copays. And so I've mentioned this example a bunch of times on this show, but, you know, the example that is always in my mind is, you know, an MRI. You know, my wife at one point was needed to get an abdominal MRI. Her specialist sent her to a place that was wanted to charge $3,000. I just made some phone calls, found a place across the street that was willing to charge 500 bucks for that MRI. So in that example, the price tag for the employee is going to be lower 
at the $500 place versus the $3,000 place. Is that correct? That's exactly right. So, look, so let's look at some of the commodity healthcare services. So you think about things like labs and imaging, you know, those generally don't vary as much in quality as they much as they might vary in terms of the unit cost. Although even something like an MRI, you know, we measure the magnet strength of an MRI machine in Tesla's. And so, you know, a, a higher magnet strength is going to be generally a higher quality image and give the, the radiologist, you know, a, a better view um, of the body. You know, what's interesting is that there's a disconnect between quality and between price. So like I live in North Texas, you know, I can get, you know, a three Tesla magnet MRI, you know, for $600 at one hospital system where, you know, across the street, that same image on a lower quality MRI might cost me three or four times as much. Patients don't see that. No. What we do is we don't tell the patient, here's $3,000 over here and $600 over here. What we tell the patient is here's your copay. They only care about what does it cost me. Right. If you go over here, your copay is, let's call it $100. If you go over here, your copay is $300 and go wherever you want to go. And what we find is that, you know, human beings are very predictable. If we tell them that it's a lower cost and it's higher quality, they're going to make a decision towards that almost every single time. You know, obviously, you know, there's there's two things you need to be able to do to, to sort of set that price tag, right? you need to understand, you know, what the cost is, you know, for that provider and the quality. So what data sources are you, are you using to kind of pull in that information and, and determine the high value option, right? High value being higher quality and, and, you know, cost efficient. Absolutely. Well, I'll I'll start by, you know, a shout out to my co-founder, Scott Shane Vogel. He has an amazing background in the hospital finance industry, but was, Uh, probably best known as the CEO and founder of Compass, uh, which is now branded Alight and is one of the country's largest patient navigation and price transparency models uh, in the industry today, uh, supports about 4 million lives. So, you know, Alight's data set that we use in measuring provider quality, you know, has data on over 130 million studied patients, one of the largest data sets in the country. And, you know, initially that data set was used to navigate around unit cost. It's a lower cost uh, MRI over here versus over here. But what Scott started to realize is that there's much larger opportunities when we look at quality and efficiency in addition to unit cost. Mm -hmm. So we measure things around, you know, quality. You know, does the provider practice medicine consistent with with evidence-based guidelines? Like our industry has done that for, for, you know, a couple of decades. That's not new. We take it a step further and we measure efficiency rates around a measure we call the Goldilocks effect. The Goldilocks effect. Too much utilization is wasteful. And that obviously, you know, burns up more resources than we should. But too little utilization. If the provider doesn't order the right things, things get missed. Right. And instead of catching cancer at, you know, stage one or two, you end up going stage three or four. Like that's not okay. So there's an amount of care that's just right, produces the best outcomes. The second thing that we measure, and this is super important, is we know that healthcare is a team sport. You know, the old model of our industry of measuring how does a provider do, you know, in their their practice is not enough. We need to look at where does that provider refer downstream and where do those downstream providers admit their patients? I mean, healthcare really is a team sport. 
And the doctor you choose is either going to lead you down a pathway of high quality and efficiency, or it's going to lead you, you know, somewhere else. Yep. And then my final comment on quality, you know, we're really trying to evangelize the, the importance of this is we have to kind of throw out the old playbook of these high performing networks. Oh yeah. Narrowing the network actually works against ourselves as an industry. What we would rather do is to recognize, you know, every hospital has some things that they're high quality for and some things we might be better off going somewhere else. So hospital A may be the best in town at cardiology, but maybe they're not the place to go for, you know, oncology. And the hospital across the street's the best at obstetrics, but maybe not for orthopedics. If we can think about quality as where do, where's the best quality in our community, don't narrow the network, but actually get all the providers in the network and then identify within there where the best is, that's where we can get the best outcomes and, uh, and have an impact. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I think narrow networks are you know somewhat of a scam. They offer a one-time price reduction. Right. I mean, typically a carrier will give you a credit, you know, and they'll tell you, hey, they're more, they're X percent more efficient. Right. But it creates such a, a rub with employees because inevitably some, some employees will have providers that are in that narrow network. And then other people, you're telling them you have to eliminate your relationship with that provider to stay in this network. Right. And so you're right. reduced, you're reducing choice. And I think. You know, people want to have lower healthcare costs, but people also want choice, right? And I think the narrow network sort of does a disservice in that it's not really controlling costs. And you're That's taking right. something, oftentimes you're taking something away from people. So I'm glad to, that you mentioned that. Now, we talked about sort of the, the variable copays, how you're getting to the underlying costs and quality and figuring out, you know, what, what's high value versus low value. What network are you using? I assume you're using a network of, we are. of, of providers. Think of Simple Pay as a plan design and payment model. Just like high deductible health plans were a plan design and payment model introduced in 2003. At the end of the day, you know, where our industry is today, you know, there are advantages to having a national network. And obviously we need a, you know, claim administration partner, you know, to be able to adjudicate this right. plan design and payment model. Uh, we partnered on a national level with CVS Health. So you would think of, you know, CVS as the parent company now to, you know, Aetna. Mm -hmm. uh, claims are adjudicated on the Maritane platform and, uh, you know, program is available on a, on a national level, you know, through that, uh, that partnership. And, you know, they've really been a champion, you know, for trying to drive transformation and innovation in the industry. Um, you know, being able to support a model like Simple Pay, you know, it takes a little bit of, you know, courage to uh, to, to be able to leap forward and uh, create some transformation. And uh, they've been just a fantastic partner in helping us to to make this available on a broad scale. So so when someone chooses to implement the Simple Pay strategy mm -hmm. and uh, the technology that supports that model, you know, they're also in combination selecting, you know, Aetna, you know, and their Maritain claim platform as their network and administration, you know, program. I will agree wholeheartedly with, with you. Maritain has is, is done a better job than, than most at embracing innovation and trying to figure out how to incorporate that and deliver it to employers. One question about pharmacy. As you know, ton of waste in pharmacy from a formulary standpoint, as well as a price variation at different different pharmacies. So is the dynamic copay structure, variable copay structure, does that also apply to pharmacy? 
It does. You know, in, in this model, you know, you can go to any pharmacy that you want uh, in the in the national network, just like you go to any doctor or hospital in the national network. You know, to your point earlier, we're not narrowing choice. We're trying to create broad networks and then we're, you know, we're optimizing the network by empowering the patient to lean into those providers that have the best quality or to those pharmacies where in this case, we're going to have the best unit cost, the best unit cost. And and look, I'm not telling anything uh, that is a secret, you know, to those in our industry. Walmart has better contracted pricing than Walgreens. It's just the way that it works. And the analogy I always give is like none of us would ever buy $10 gasoline to put in our car if the gas station across the street was was $2. Like human beings don't behave that way. So this is a really simple model. We set a lower copay if the patient fills their drug where we have better contracted prices. So the, maybe the contracted rate for the drug is you know $100 versus across the street, it's $400. And then the key here is we take that savings and instead of retaining it, you know, in our pockets, that passes fully back to the plan sponsor in a very transparent pass through way. You know, so as you know, I know a lot of your listeners will be familiar with, you know, transparent pass through models. I would say this is the ultra transparent pass through model that also creates a motivation for the patient to go and fill their drug where we have the best pricing. And the combination of that has produced some very significant uh, results. And you know what, what we always talk about on this show is aligning incentives, right? And, and, and removing misaligned incentives. And so I think what I'm hearing is this plan's design structure is really about aligning incentives with employees and rewarding them, you know, when they make good decisions. If I knew what I knew today and I could go back in time after almost three decades in the industry, we would, we would have done this a long time ago. It actually really is simple, not just because it's in the name of our of our program, but if you think about it in the lens of the patient, you know, we give them a copay, a price tag. We call it a simple pay amount. Mm-hmm. We give them information on quality, and then we say, just choose to go where you want to go. Yeah. And when you go and you look, and we give them the information on quality in a very simple to understand, you know, either online or concierge, you know, supported model. And if you give a patient information, say, here's a doctor. They're not board certified. You know, they have an action against their medical license, maybe a higher infection rate. Your copay is going to be higher. Would you like to go to them? I can tell you that, you know, human beings don't behave that way. We choose to go to higher quality that also costs us less in an amount that you can see ahead of time. And that has created engagement rates that have really surprised us overall. Absolutely. You know, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about digital health. I've actually done a lot of public speaking over the last quarter on digital health providers, you know, versus brick and mortar and, you know, what happened during COVID and, and, and really how digital health can, can be significantly better holistic care for patients than oftentimes what you can get in a brick and mortar practice, because brick and mortar practices just don't have the resources that you may get from a digital health provider, like a coach, like a nutritionist, Right. And I do believe that COVID-19 has accelerated the general population's acceptance of virtual care and telemedicine. So how are you integrating digital health into this model and in this platform? Well, I'll start by saying we are huge proponents over primary care. You know, we are we are very big believers that, you know, all patients should have 
you know, a, a strong relationship with their primary care provider, if we can complement that with virtual care and make it easy for patients to be able to have access to timely and needed healthcare service when it matters, then we are super supportive of that. In this model, we make primary care, virtual care generally available at no copay cost to the patient. We awesome. want there to be no friction and we want to be able to support that. One of the things we're also you know, paying attention to is not just how does that virtual care perform in and of itself, but how can we empower those virtual care providers so that when they do need to refer to bricks and mortar, you know, to an ologist, maybe it's a cardiologist or a neurologist or an oncologist, how do we make sure that those referrals are to top quality providers as well? And I think that integration is going to really matter. The one area that I know we are all struggling through in this pandemic environment is emotional health, mental health. Yes. And, you know, I would tell you that this is another very important area in virtual care that we need to lean in on. I think some of those connecting points of not just, you know, uh, urgent uh, type care support virtually, but also those things that are maybe a little bit more um, significant and long-term and, and those that deal with mental health is going to be super important. And we're, we're making investments in our model to help to support those, uh, those type of structures. That's great. I, I will tell you, a lot of our clients have implemented digital behavioral health uh, supplements, you know, for for their employees, and the feedback from employees is tremendous. I mean, it just it really reaffirms there was a need out there, and that's one particular service that is is meeting a need and allowing people to get connected with a therapist when they're in crisis and. I mean, I'll tell you the other day, I had lunch with a client and one of my team members and we got there a little bit early and I asked my team member, like, how are you doing? And straight up looked me in the eye and said, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm struggling. And it's just being indoors all day, right? His wife doesn't get home till late. And he started seeing a therapist and it's, and it's helping. And it was digital. It was, you know, he signed up for, in this case, it was better help. So it's, it's real out there. There is, there is an incredible need for it. And so I think it's awesome that you guys are incorporating that into your, your program. On the mental health and the emotional health side, I mean, the struggle is real. And, uh, you know, I know we've, you know, we've heard the phrases like, it's okay not to, to be okay. The fact that we are now normalizing mental health, I, I appreciate, you know, I'm in Dallas, Texas. So uh, as a Cowboys fan, I, I'm grateful to Dak Prescott, the, you know, the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys and, and how he's, you know, shared some of his own personal emotional health struggles and I think I'm, I'm grateful that it's not just a, an environment of just rub some dirt on it and toughen up, but that we're actually helping to support people, you know, that are struggling right now. So, so I think that's a, a, a big breakthrough for our industry that has come out of the pandemic that is, um, that is long overdue. Let's talk about member experience. So people are used to getting paper EOB. They're used to getting benefit summaries that list their deductible, their co-insurance or their co-pays. So with you guys, you know, there's no fixed co-pays. <laughs> Uh, depends on where people go. So how does an employee know where to go and what things are going to cost? So so look, it, it's really simple. We, we create basically a traditional benefit plan design with a low, medium, and high copay. Yeah. So you can go to any primary care doctor you want. If you go to a, a tier one high quality pr- primary care doctor and it's not preventive, your copay is $20 or you know a mid-tier, it might be $40 or it might be $60, right? So just go wherever you want to go. 
Yeah. Um, so it's just three tier copay up to an out of pocket maximum. These plans are, are ACA compliant. But how we provide the information, so you know that's your price schedule, right? And you know that for every covered service, yep. primary yep. care specialist, inpatient hospital, outpatient hospital, your drugs. But we provide that either through, you know, the smartphone, right? You can get it on your app yep. in a Amazon-like shopping experience. If somebody can can online shop, they can now navigate healthcare, look at the provider, look at their tier rating, and know their copay ahead of time, and know that that copay covers everything that happens from the moment you walk in the door until you're until you walk out the door. So if your doctor does a lab test or does an EKG during your office visit, one copay. If you go to the hospital, whether you're there for two days or 10 days, one copay. You know your amount. Remember, I call it price certainty. If they don't want to self-serve on the smartphone, they call the number on their Aetna Maritain insurance ID card and it goes right to their concierge health pro. So bundled with this model is a white glove concierge. Our health pros are all college degreed, highly trained healthcare consultants. We wanted to upgrade the experience from that, you know, traditional 1-800 customer service line to something where you actually have a human being that you build a relationship with that's your advocate that can schedule the appointment for you and much, much more. And that combination of the insight on what you're going to owe and the support of the app and the health pro is really what makes this uh, even more simple. Got it. So they can use the app. And, you know, that's going to be dynamic. It'll show them input their zip code, you know, what they're looking for. And it'll show them, you know, different places they can go with the different price tags, or they can just call their health pro and just be like, or they just call their health pro. Yeah. I need to see a specialist. I need, you know, I need to get a knee surgery, you know, outpatient procedure. Where do I go? And they'll, they'll direct them. That's exactly right. And they can schedule the appointment, you know, for the individual. Our systems are looking at provider appointment availability. You know, I like to say, what good would it be to recommend here are 15, you know, cardiologists that you could go to if they're not accepting new patients. So we just make it easy. If you search for a cardiologist in your community, we bring all the tier one providers to the surface. We know they have appointment availability. The patient can see their copay is going to be less to go to that doctor versus a tier two or tier three. I mean, it really is just that simple. And they know exactly what their cost is going to be ahead of time. That's the key. That is such a nice service, though, to be able to to book the appointment, you know, for for the employee or dependent. I mean, I I remember, you know, recently, you know, we have two kids, and made the family decision that we were not having any more kids. So Michael had to go have an outpatient procedure. Mm-hmm. But you know, I was trying to look for someone that was high quality. I was trying to look for somebody that was close to me, and just the process of having to book that look, find somebody book the initial appointment and then the outpatient procedure. It just took a lot of time. So what you're saying is your your concierge people, they will take that off of the member's plate and they will do that for them. That's right. Or the patient, if they would like, can do it themselves. And we find that, you know, two thirds of the time it's, they do it themselves. It's so simple on the app. So, you know, I, you know, you, you shared your, your, uh, you know, your experience. I'll tell you when I turned 50, you know, my primary care doctor said, go to the nurse's station. It's, time for you to have your colonoscopy and he's going to give you a referral to the best GI doctor in town. And, you know, all they did, Michael, is they pulled out a piece of paper that had been Xerox like 10,000 times, highlighted the one doctor that was a gastroenterologist on their sheet and said, make an appointment there. And literally at the nurse's station, I just looked up on my smartphone 
and got a recommendation for 15 tier one cardiol or gastroenterologists that that were higher quality than the one that they had referred to me. And and I just you know clicked a button and I booked my appointment there. It was just there that you simple. There yeah. you go. I, I love it. I love it. Let's talk about outcomes and results for for a second. An employer moves to this plan. What type of results can they expect? I mean, obviously, when I think of this this plan, I think about aligning incentives, but I also think about optimizing the network, right? You're you're naturally steering people towards high value options in the network, which should produce some some cost efficiency. So, what are you generally seeing for somebody who's, you know, moving from a PPO plan to a simple pay type you know, plan design as far as results? So, you know, when we first launched this program, you know how you always learn more from the things that don't work than things that do? Of course. You know, we realized that giving a patient information on what their price out of pocket would be, they have price certainty and information on quality actually was not enough. It was not enough because what happened is they were being bombarded with the many bills and EOBs that kept coming and coming and coming. And they could never figure out that the price that we told them they owed was actually what they were going to pay because they were paying some to this provider and some to this provider and some at the time of service and some after the fact. So we got rid of all of that. And that's what drove our results. When we implemented a monthly statement model. So how does this work? Patient goes to the provider. Yeah. Provider is paid their contracted rate on the Aetna network in full. And they never collect patient responsibility either at the time of service or after the fact. Patients get one simple monthly statement where the price on that statement will match the price they saw earlier. What we saw is that our engagement rates and our results went through the roof. Really, For most plan sponsors, they will, in the year before they implement the Simple Pace program, they will have about 20% of their claims going to tier one high quality providers. Mm-hmm. Before the pandemic, we were consistently seeing that 20% number double in the first year. So 20% might go to you know, 40 or, or 45%. Since the pandemic, our results have even gotten more significant. We see that instead of getting a doubling in, you know, of, the, of the tier one utilization, we're seeing a tripling and a quadrupling of that tier one utilization like every single time. Wow. So will patients behave differently? If we create a simple model with support, technology in the health grow, yep. with the monthly statement so they can see that my cost out of pocket is actually what I'm responsible for, they will behave like a consumer. They'll make better decisions most of the time yep. and engagement rates go through the roof. Now, the byproduct of better quality is lower cost. And what we see for our, for our clients is they'll see somewhere between maybe a 10 to 12% in some cases, over 20% lower overall healthcare spend for both the employer as well as their employees. It works, it works for both. That's great. So, you know, lower costs for the employer, lower out-of-pocket costs for the employee, and increased utilization, you know, of those those high value providers. I want to go back real quick to the statement and make sure that you know I'm clear on that. So Basically, if I'm just going to go to see a PCP, let's say the copay, you know, the price tag is 10 because I'm going to a tier one PCP. The primary care physician's not going to collect payment at that visit. So I owe nothing there, but I'm going to get a monthly statement. And if that's my only, you know, healthcare visit for the month, my monthly statement will just say 
$10. That's my price tag for going to see the PCP. And I, I pay that back to Simple Pay, not the provider. Exactly right. I hope it feels really familiar to you because it's the way everything else in life works, right? If I <laughs> pretty much if I go to a, if I go to a retailer, <laughs> let's say I buy something with my Visa card, you know, from a grocery store, the grocery store gets their money from Visa. They're paid in full, and then thirty days later, I get a statement from my credit card company. It's you know, and the amount better match the price that I I yes. swipe my credit card for. Yes, yes. Like this is the same model. You go to a doctor. You go to a hospital, you go to a pharmacy. Not only do you not pay anything when you leave, you never pay a doctor or a hospital or a pharmacy ever again. They submit their claim to Aetna. Aetna pays those providers their contracted rate in full. And then the patient gets one monthly statement. And the key here is the copay on that statement will be the same copay that they would have seen in, in advance. No more surprises. And you get your monthly statement and it will it will be just that simple. And that monthly statement is what creates the engagement. When you realize I made a decision to go over here and now I'm financially responsible for that amount on my monthly statement, that's what we have found causes a true engagement that works the same way it does when you buy other things in life. And just to bring up an example that I know everyone listening is probably familiar with. So the example of somebody goes to an in-network facility and the anesthesiologist is out of network, right? And they get this huge balance bill. So in this model, that just doesn't exist, right? Even if they went to a tier one you know, facility and even if that anesthesiologist happened to be you know, out of network, Whatever they their price tag was going in the front door, they're going to get their statement and it's going to be the price tag. They don't have to worry about that, right? We have protected the patient from surprise bills of every kind. You know, we talk about the surprise bills and the surprise bill legislation. Usually it's talking about when we go to an out-of-network provider. You know, I, I think every bill is a surprise bill because you never know what you're going to owe. <laughs> so with, with this, that all goes away. If I go to a hospital... You know, and there's a complication, my copay doesn't change. If I go to a hospital and, the, and there's an out of network hidden provider like an anesthesiologist or an attending physician, my copay doesn't change. Your copay is your copay is your copay. Now, that being said, we already know from our big data set which hospitals tend to have a lot of out of network anesthesiologists or out of network radiologists. So, guess what? The copay is lower at the hospitals that that are more efficient. They don't have that a lot of that out of network care. Right. The copay is going to be higher if you go to a hospital where those out of network providers are more prevalent. Yep. So we've already indexed the copays to deal with that challenge, and we protected the patient so they could get out of the billing mess right. that we have as an industry. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. So patient protections, simplicity from a billing standpoint, and you know, savings for the employer. Now, employers are always interested in savings, right? But a lot of times these days, you know, I mean, employee experience is just as important to most most purchasers, right? So yeah. tell us a little bit about, you know, how are you tracking and measuring customer satisfaction? Are you using any metric like NPS or, or you know, how are, how are you measuring it and what are your results? Yeah, so, so I'll, I'll go with the end and I'll back up to talk about the benefits to the employer in this model. You know, so yes, we ask a question at the end, 
you know, after your, your first year of being in the simple pay program, would you prefer to go back to your old insurance model? So it's kind of like our, our version of the MPS score. And, you know, in our last study, we had 92% of participants said that they wanted to keep the simple pay model and would not want to return, you know, to their, to their prior model. I want to get that number at hundred percent, by the way, but, uh, <laughs> but that's where we are today. Now I will tell you, it's a pretty cool story at open enrollment. Imagine being able to go to employees and say, look, in this insurance plan, you're going to always know your out-of-pocket cost ahead of time to the penny. No more bills from providers or EOBs. You're going to get one monthly statement supported by a white glove concierge. When you choose to go to a higher quality provider, you spend less money out of pocket. And by the way, there's one more very significant benefit we haven't covered. When you get your monthly statement, if the amount is above what you can afford, rather than paying your statement in full, you can pay the minimum amount due, revolve the balance out over time at 0% financing. So in this model, Michael, we've embedded, and this is super important given yep. where our country is today, Yep, we've embedded 0% financing to help individuals that have an unexpected out-of-pocket cost of healthcare be able to pay for that over time. They don't have to use high interest rate credit cards or take out a payday loan or avoid a needed healthcare service because they don't know how they're going to afford it. By embedding that financial well-being benefit into the medical plan, it has really helped employers in a way that it tracks and retains talent to their organization, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a huge benefit. The bottom line is getting the ability to pay over time and 0% financing, you know, through the the plan is probably a lot better than, you know, deductible and coinsurance, getting a bill from a provider, not paying it. They just send you to collections, you know? That's right. <laughs> right. That's right. Or you're using a high interest rate credit card or taking out a loan. I mean, the studies right. on medical bad debt after, you know, educational and student loans, you know, it's the second largest category. And we just think that that's not okay. I'll tell you, one of the things that was really interesting is you know during the last presidential election cycle if you were if you were looking at some of the polling data Americans are as concerned about the underinsured as they are the uninsured so you know you think about the underinsured these are yeah. individuals that get their insurance through their employer but the the, the out of pocket costs have gotten to a point where most households can't afford it yeah so by embedding that 0% financing benefit Helping people pay their balance, their their out of pocket cost out over time uh, is an important thing that we wanted to try to help solve for yeah. you know, when we were designing this new model of insurance. Well, and and giving them free you know digital health programs as well, virtual care options. You know, free telemedicine, free virtual care, absolutely. You know, while you guys are fairly new in the marketplace, right? I mean, you guys have been yeah. doing this for for you know three to four years now. So, how many employers across the country have you have you signed up or, or lives, or where are you at in sort of your 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 evolution and growth here? Sure. So, you know, we we started this, you know, as let's make sure we have some proof of concept. Yeah. And uh, you know, we're, we we spent really the last few years to to really dial in our model and make sure that our results are consistent. Um, I can tell you they're consistent to the point that we actually put performance guarantees on our results. We just, we never miss yeah. on being able to get the engagement levels. And if we get the engagement to tier one, you know, we know that cost uh, and quality will, will always follow. So, so that part, that part is there. You know, I will tell you, you know, as a, as a new startup company, you know, we wanted to make sure and, and position ourselves for growth. You know, I'm proud to say that, uh, you know, in November, on November 1st, just a few weeks ago, 
Uh, we've been able to, you know, close the sale of our business to a new parent company called Stella Health. Uh, Stella is one of the, the large premier organizations in the industry helping to invest in new innovation and capital. And uh, just know that we're very encouraged by the demand that we receive for the program. And I expect that over the next uh, year or two, you'll see our business go from, you know, a handful of of clients where we are today, you know, to something that uh, that hopefully will become, you know, the model of insurance for our country for, you know, you know, for the for for, for from here on out. Very good. Very good. That is an exciting development in its in its own. But what are you most excited about, you know, right now in the business, you know, any improvements or enhancements that you want to share with the listeners? Yeah, you know, I if, I, if you think about what we're doing here, and, and I'll just kind of talk about it at a high level, we're wanting to use the insurance platform to get individuals to make better decisions so we can get to higher quality care, right? So it's about, you know, being in that birthday preservation business. It's a win for the patient, simpler insurance model, higher quality, more affordability. Obviously, it's a win for the plan sponsor. You know, plan sponsors are going to see hopefully not only a better budget uh, impact on their spend, but also they're going to see employee appreciation of their benefits in in a much bigger way. But what about the provider? So in our model of providers submitting their claim and being paid in full, it says it on the ID card. There's no out-of-pocket cost that providers ever have to collect. This is really a a payment transformation step that's long overdue. Providers can focus on practicing medicine, and we can get them out of the billing, collection, and bad debt business. And that is a very important transformation that we wanted to create. You know, we're really trying to make this a win for all the major stakeholders. So depending on the audience we're talking to, whether it's the employer, whether it's the provider, whether it's the patient, you know, we think the benefits of this simpler insurance model is meant to be accretive and and a win for all. And probably what I'm the most excited about is for, you know, organizations like yours that are, you know, that have recognized the value of this platform, you know, that are helping us go out and evangelize uh, a new model of insurance. And, you know, our goal is not just to, to be the, the best and the biggest. Our goal is to create true transformation. We want to leave the campground cleaner than when we got here. And if that means that as an industry, we all benefit uh, from this, these new learnings, we're trying to share that, you know, broadly because we want to see the whole industry evolve for good and not just try to, you know, grab our own market share, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. And I think the the, the point on the... on on provider billing is a good one. I mean, for a provider that gets paid hundred percent, they don't have to go chase down the, you know, employee portion of deductible and coinsurance. And, you know, how long does it take for them to get paid on that? It may take them six months, right? They might have to write off a patient who doesn't have the means to be able to pay, you know, their out-of-pocket costs because they're in a high deductible plan and they right. can't, they right. can't, they can't even come up with the dollars for it. Like, right. It's like not okay. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've covered a lot. So if there was one question that I should have asked you, but I didn't, what would it be? So it's uh, a really good question. Um, <laughs> I think the question is, you know, Wally, this sounds too good to be true. What are we not aware of that we need to think about? So, you know, I'll tell you that that monthly statement process is a big deal. And the benefits of 0% financing and the simplification and the provider not uh, having to deal with billing collection and bad debt, like that transformation is long, long overdue. We're basically making our industry now work like every other industry. We should have done it all along. What, What I'll tell you is that 
my biggest obstacle has not been having champions like you know yourself and, and your organization that has been looking for these innovations and trying to, to bring them forward. Our biggest challenge has been battling against the status quo of the industry. You know, there are, you know, this is 20%, 22% of our GDP is the healthcare system. And there are a lot of organizations that have been trying to play the status quo game because status quo can pay very well. Does. I would what I would say is we need help, you know, to be able to take models like Simple Pay and and really be champions of of creating transformation and bringing them forward. I would like to see our industry be transformed before it gets transformed, you know, for us, you know, by the federal government. And I think we have the opportunity with programs like Simple Pay to do that. Um, and we just need, you know, others to rally around it. So, so I guess that would be my my comment to your uh, to your question. That's what we need, and that's sort of the the purpose of this podcast is to you know broadcast information about change agents and disruptors, um, you know, across the country, so that we can you know collectively start you know, making impacts, but it's, it, look, it starts with, you know, organizations like yours. It starts with, you know, brokers and consultants being willing to take these ideas to their, to their clients. And, you know, look, people typically don't buy the first time you present, you know, new ideas, you know, you have to present right. them once, twice, three times to get, because change is hard. Status quo is easy. Right? <laughs> it's easy. I'm encouraged by the number of, of brokers and consultants in my own organization and outside of my organization, there is a grassroots movement across the country, you know, to try to, to do better, right. And bring more creative solutions to employers. And, and I think people are doing a great job out there. We're making progress. And, and I think, uh, you know, I certainly appreciate what you guys are doing and the effort to align incentives for employees and their, their employers. So last question here, how do people interested in simple pay? How do they learn more? How do they get connected with people on your team? Well, you know, you can obviously just, you know, Google us on the internet. You know, I hope that uh, individuals, you know, could reach out to me. Maybe we could put it into the podcast notes uh, with my email address and phone number. Yep. And, uh, you know, we'll be sure to uh, to lean in and support those that uh, would like to be a part of our mission and making the, the system a little simpler and a lot more affordable. Awesome. Awesome. Well, on behalf of our listeners and myself, I want to thank you uh, for taking time out of your busy schedule to, to have a great conversation here. I think it's been great and, and hopefully very informative for our listeners. To our listeners, hope you enjoyed this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. And with that, we'll sign off wherever you're at. We hope you have a great day and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. If you liked what you heard here, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you're interested in continuing the conversation, please visit us at www.reconstructinghealthcare.com where you can access the show notes for this episode and links to Simple Pay's website and contact information. Lastly, if you are enjoying the content on the show, Take five seconds today and open up the podcast app on your phone. Go to our show's page, scroll down to the bottom, and let us know what you think with the review. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Reconstructing Healthcare Podcast.